Hi everyone, this is Pastor Brett from First Baptist Church here in Cherryvale, Kansas, and I want to welcome you to our Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Our prayer is that the Lord will speak to you through His Word for His people. If you're looking for a church home, we encourage you to join us for our celebration service every Sunday morning at 1045. It's a great time of praising our Lord and hearing from Him. We are just a group of passionate followers of Jesus Christ with a desire to worship Him and take His message of hope to the heartland. If you want to find out more information about our church, you can look at our website, www.fbcherryvale.org. My sermon will begin in just a moment, and thanks again for listening. I would invite you to find your Bible and turn to Luke chapter 15. As you're turning there, let me ask, have you ever been lost? Have you ever been disoriented at the mall or perhaps an amusement park? You may know where you're trying to go, but until you know where you're at, where you're starting from, it's impossible to figure out where you're going to. So what do we do? Usually walk up to what? This big sign that shows you the map of the mall or the amusement park. And what do you look for on there? What are we doing? The first thing we look for, it's not the destination. It's not where you're trying to go. But what do you look for? It's your current location, right? That's what you're looking for. You scan over the map and you're looking for what? You're looking for that big sign or that star or that arrow that says, You are here. This is where you're at, that big arrow. Aha, you see, it begins when we recognize our current location. You may be wondering, how in the world did I get here in my life today? How did I get to this point where I'm at? But the more important question this morning is this. Where are you going to go from here? Not how did you get here, not where are you at, but where are you going to go from here? Like we said last week, at one time or another, all of us, we all are or were in a distant country. So how do we define a distant country? We define it like this. It's any area of our lives where we have walked away from God. It's any area of our life that we have not submitted to Him, that we try to run, or we try to rule, or we try to govern it for ourselves. It may be every part of your life you are living in that distant country, or it might just be a specific area of your life that you are allowing yourself to rule and govern, that you've left God out on. It's an area where you've placed these no trespassing signs around it and said, God, you've made it clear to him that he's not welcome in that area, that he's not your king on that particular aspect of your life. It could be in your marriage. It could be in your family. It could be in your relationships. Maybe it's your career or your money or your giving or lack of giving to God. How you ended up there, it isn't always clear. As we talked about last week, there's many reasons. We talked about many different reasons why we end up on that journey. We take off for that distant country. Why we leave the Father and set out for that distant country. But Scripture's clear. It says we all... All of us at one time, at some point in our life, we end up there. Isaiah 52.9 explains this to us. It says, your sins are a roadblock between you and your God. And Romans 3.23 tells us that for all have sinned. Who has sinned? We all have sinned. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we see that sins are a roadblock to our relationship with God. And we see on the other side that we are all sinners. So we have this roadblock between us and our God. And sin, sin is the vehicle that we have taken on that journey to that distant country. So today, we're in week two of our series called AHA. It's in this series, it's based on Jesus' parable of the prodigal son. And we're talking about a spiritual awakening. That time when that light bulb just goes off in our head and we finally get it. We finally get what God is trying to do. We're talking about that point when we figure out it's time to really stop running from God, stop running away, and start running to God, running into His arms. 
In this series, we're going to be doing this in conjunction with a small group study on Sunday evenings. And let me just say, as we've been watching the videos, if you were part of our study last Sunday night, you've noticed that the videos, they get pretty dark. For some, it got pretty real. Real close to home. The videos, they tell stories of three people who fall into sin. And as it depicts how far that they have fallen into sin, it depicts some pretty bad, some pretty dangerous behaviors. And I'll warn you, tonight's video, it may make many uncomfortable. So why do these videos go there? Why do we watch them? I'll put it like this. It's in order for us to understand how good the good news is. You see, in order to do that, we have to first understand how bad the bad news is. Because if we don't know how bad the bad news is, we won't appreciate how good the good news is. You see, Christianity is a religion of redemption. We believe that Jesus Christ, that he saves us from our sins. But does that mean that Jesus, well, he just saves us from those little, small, little sins, maybe an occasional bout of impoliteness? No. You see, sin is more than just a character flaw within each one of us. We believe that Jesus, he saves us from a desperate, deadly condition, a condition that we're completely unable and incapable of solving ourselves. If we fail to grasp how bad the bad news is in our life, we will never fully appreciate just how good that good news is, the good news of the gospel. And second is, that's really what Jesus taught us here in the parable Let's look at what Jesus said. Please stand in honor of reading God's word this morning. I'll be reading from the Gospel of Luke. Our teaching text is verses 13 through 16. But I'm going to kind of jump back and I'm going to read starting in verse 11 this morning. So we get the full context of our message. It says this. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into a faraway country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truths. Lord God, I pray that you will open our hearts, open our eyes to the things that we need to see in this passage. Lord, if we are one of those living in a distant country today, I pray that you'll help us see our condition and understand that and help us come running back to you because you are the loving Father that's standing there awaiting us. Lord, help us see what this distant country means and how we should avoid going to this place and and living there and taking up a residence in a spot that you don't want us to live at. So God, use your text. Use it to speak to us this morning. Lord, get me out of the way and allow your word to speak. It's in your name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. You may be seated. Let me begin by saying that aha, aha, it begins when your life, when it collides with God's grace. And when that happens, there's an undeniable change that happens in your life. Our world, it is full of aha stories. When God's grace, when it enters the picture of someone's life, things, they can't stay the same. They have to change. And that's when we have that aha moment in our life. But just like in our videos, aha stories, understand they don't start out as great stories. In fact, if I would be honest, most aha stories, they all start out pretty rough. Because in order to have a need for aha in your life, in our Christian lives, we have to have left the Father's house. We have to have told God that whether it's by our actions or by our attitudes or by our words, that we don't want to live under his roof anymore. We don't want to live under his rules. We don't want to live under his authority in our life. Sometimes that happens subtly. It happens over time and we slowly drift away. 
But there's other times where it happens abruptly and we make a quick cut and we go and we leave God behind. But regardless of what it's like, when we leave the Father's house, that's how all aha stories begin. Friend, what is God trying to tell you this morning? What is He trying to say to you? I've got to say, I don't think it's any accident that any of you are here this morning. You're here or you're listening into our podcast because God wants to speak to you. He's wanting to wake you up so that you too, you can have that aha experience in your life. For many of you, you need an awakening. You need some honesty in your life. You need action. And it begins here with seeking and praying for aha to happen in your life. Aha, it's an ongoing process. It's a process that we go through of recognizing and returning and relating to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and our Heavenly Father. Living the aha story is living in expectation. If you want an aha, you have to expect God to move in your life. Your prayer should be like King David's aha prayer was. Look with me at Psalm 119, verse 18. Look at what David prayed. He said, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Now, here's the thing about leaving the Father's house. It's not usually a sad thing when we do it. I mean, let's be honest with each other this morning. When we leave the Father's house, at first, it seems like it's a pretty fun thing. Life is so much fun. It's so enjoyable to us. We enjoy our time there. You don't have to answer to anyone. You get to make your own decisions. You don't have to feel guilty for the decisions that you've made in your life. And Now you're on the throne. You're the one that's ruling everything that you do. It seems like a great place to be. You get to that distant country, you look around, and you just love it. You love everything that's going on, all these things that you're doing. There's so much fun in your life. But what do we really know? What do we really know about life in that distant country? That's what we're going to look at this morning. The first thing we're going to learn about the distant country is it will, under number one, it will leave you broke. It will leave you empty. It will clean you out. Friend, when we live far from God, it always leaves us broke. What did it say in verses 13 through 14? It tells us, Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Jesus says here that this young man, he squandered his property. He squandered the wealth. He spent everything that he had on reckless, extravagant living. He was out on his own, and he was chasing every wild thing, every wild opportunity of living that he could imagine until, until that money ran out. We don't get any details, but we could probably fill in the missing pieces of this puzzle here. I mean, just kind of picture it. This son, he probably would have been, what, about 18 years old, let's say. Can you imagine an 18-year-old getting a big chunk of money and then going out and living on his own? Oh, you can bet that that wealth, it won't last long with somebody of that age. And that's probably even if this kid was a pretty good kid. But this son, he doesn't exactly live on the straight and narrow as we see in our passage. The Greek word for reckless living is defined this way. It says, the manner of life by which someone destroys himself or a wild and undisciplined life. So, life for this young man, it is certainly out of control. It started out going out, just setting off, living out on his own, chasing his own dreams, but it ended up being more than he can handle. It ended up costing him more than he ever imagined it would cost him. The unfortunate truth for many of us is this. We found ourselves out there in that distant country as well. We may not have intended to end up there. We may not have meant to go there at all, but what happens is we got there. We are there in our life. We may not have intended to stay there, but we ended up staying. We may not have intended to take up a permanent residence there to make it our home, but that's exactly what happened in our life. We went there and we stayed there. 
We didn't move. And before you know it, it would be a fair description if someone would say of you, they squandered all that they had on reckless living. When you willfully and deliberately walk away from God, when we pursue a lifestyle of sin, we're going to find those things leave us empty. Those things leave us broke in our life. It may not be money that costs you, but let me tell you, it will cost you something. Your journey to that distant country, it might be costing you your reputation. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's family, your integrity, or your self-respect. That distant country, that one that seems so fun, it seems so free, it seems so exciting at first, is now a desolate wasteland. Watch this short video clip. We were so young then. Oh, we thought we knew everything and we found out quick we didn't know anything. <laughs> Well, we're still young. You're as young as you feel. Wow. Then I feel like a teenager right now. <laughs> I cannot remember the last time I felt this free. Are you? Free on me. about that video clip for those that were there last Sunday night you would know that that woman has a husband he's a good good husband and a daughter as well so it's a frightening sight to see when we go down those paths but that's not all let's look again at verses 14 through 16 it says and when he had spent everything and a severe famine arose in that country and he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything once this son, once he had spent all of the money, squandered all of the wealth that his father had given him, that he demanded from his father, the worst thing in the world happened. A famine hit. There's no rain. There's no food. There's no money to be found anywhere for this young man. And this son, now he's absolutely broke. He's got nothing. This distant country, it seemed like such a good place to be. But we see now that it left him empty. It left him with nothing. It may start out as just another innocent decision. A change that it seems like no big deal to make this change in your life. I mean, after all, it is my life, right? They're my choices to make. But when we live apart from the Father, when we live apart from Him, it starts to hurt. We've burned some bridges with people. And we've become so much of an island that no one's around. No one is left there around us to help us in our situation once your new fling is over, you realize now you're all alone. Once you climb that corporate ladder, you get there where you've wanted to attain your entire life, but now you realize you have no family, you have no friends, you have nothing in your life outside of the office. Once you've stored up all the money that you thought you could ever want, that you would ever need, but yet now all you want in your life is more and more and more. Once everyone knows that all you care about is yourself. Once you're evicted because you spent everything that you had. You squandered all of your money on reckless living. Before you know it, your life has begun to hurt you. Begun to hurt you more than you ever imagined. The distant country, it will always leave you broke. It doesn't matter what made you leave the father's house. The alternative is eventually that distant country. That's the journey that you are on that will take. Everything you had is gone. And it will leave you with nothing. 
This is what Jesus was saying about sin, the sin that we have in our life. We can chase it. We can think it's fun and, and it's freedom. It gives, it's fabulous in our life, but eventually this sin, it is going to leave you empty. Your sin is going to leave you broke. In Jeremiah chapter 2, we see God, he's frustrated with the nation of Israel. They had repeatedly, over and over again, they had left him in order to worship worthless idols. Look what God said to them in Jeremiah 2, 5. Thus says the Lord, what wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? Then, we'll see they changed gods and then they changed their glory. Look at Jeremiah 2.11. It says, Has a nation changed its gods? Even though there are no gods, but my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. So look what God says back to them. This is what God's reply is in Jeremiah 2.13. He says, For my people have committed two evils. He says they committed two evils. First, they forsake me, the fountain of living waters. And second, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that hold no water. So God's saying here that we're all thirsty. We're all thirsty. We're all longing deep inside of us there's a yearning for meaning a yearning for contentment and joy in our life or whatever you want to call it for you we're thirsty for a relationship with our God but when we choose to chase after the sin that's in our life God says we're making those two mistakes we're forsaking the fountain of living water as we leave that father's house and then we're attempting to drink from those broken cisterns that's the choice that wild living gives us in that distant country Think of it this way. A cistern is basically a bucket. It's a bucket, something you store water in. And God's saying to us here that we all have a bucket. Every one of us has a bucket that we drink out of. And the fuller that bucket is, the happier we are, the more joy that we have. So we need to go to the bucket store. And we need to get a bucket. Now the world has its own set of buckets. It's got this fancy uptown bucket store. Probably something similar to the Bed Bath & Beyond of today for buckets. It's got glitzy marketing. It's got all the fancy advertising wrapped all around it. You walk into the store and you see all these nice high-end buckets on the wall and all oh, they're fancy and they're beautiful and they're just enticing drawing you into them they look so good they're the buckets of self-indulgence of laziness of lust and so on they're fancy buckets buckets that promise instant happiness in your life but God's got his own set of buckets too he's got a bucket store only his buckets are not quite as fancy he's just got a humble little main street shop with some buckets in it God's bucket store they're not so exciting his buckets are more like this they're obedience their trust, their worship, they're putting God first. They're loving others like you love yourself and stuff like that. They're sturdy buckets, but not exactly high fashion, glamorous, glitzy buckets. So the buckets that the world offers us, they look so much better. But here's the thing. You buy one of those world buckets. You try it out. You get out there and you're enjoying yourself and your sin and your lust or whatever it is that you're going through. You try it out. It fills up your capacity for joy for a while. But then what happens? It springs a leak. It always happens. The world's bucket will spring a leak. And so what do you have to do? You have to always keep going back to the bucket store and refilling your bucket or getting a new bucket, trying out a new sin. You go there and you have to fill it up more and more and more. And in the end, what happens is you end up a shriveled up, dehydrated soul. On the other hand, now, if you look at God's buckets, they might not fill up quite as fast, but they are always reliable. God's buckets will always hold water. Our capacity for joy, when we draw from that spring of living water, it's always so much greater in our life. We find that our thirst is always quenched. So the question is this, which bucket do you want to drink from? What bucket do you want? The younger son in Jesus' story here, he, he chose a bunch of leaky buckets. He chose that distant country. And in the end, it left him broke. It left him empty. Next thing we see under number two, what happens there? It says the distant country, it will leave you alone. 
If you've ever lived in a distant country, you know living in a distant country is it really more of a program on how to lose friends. Not win friends, but how to lose friends in your life. When we live far away from God, we may have friends in the short run. When you've got the money, when you've got the excitement, when you've got the passion for whatever it is they want to do, that wild living, the wild side there. But in the end, many times what happens is you're left without friends. Because when you can't supply their need, when you can't give in to their desires and support their habits or whatever it is they're doing, poof, they're gone. And they're looking for the next person to latch on to. We don't typically look at this part of this parable, but I'm going to do it this morning. When this son, when he decides to leave home, it's not an isolated decision. His dad's involved. His brother's involved. The story here doesn't even mention a mother, but I'd have to guess if his mother was there and that she's heartbroken by what happened. You see, when we live apart from the father, it just doesn't affect us. It affects others as well. When a man justifies having an affair because, well, she's not supplying my needs right now. Or maybe when a woman, she justifies having an affair because, well, he just doesn't care about me anymore. He's not sympathetic. He doesn't listen to me. When you stay late at work because you want that promotion, you want that raise, and your family, they go to bed every night. They go to bed without seeing daddy, without seeing you. When you become so selfish with your money, when you're loose with your lips, with your gossip, when you try to subtly or not so subtly try to sway people to the way that you're thinking, these all affect people in a way that we may not see. But over time, let me tell you, it hurts. It doesn't hurt just you, but it hurts them as well. And before you know it, your life, it has begun to hurt other people, hurt more than you had ever imagined, hurt more than what God's telling you, hurt them in ways counter to God's expectations of your life, hurt them counter to God's word, what he says about you, about his children. I don't know if you've ever heard about this TV show, but there's a TV show on the A&E channel called Intervention. What happens is this, it shows somebody on that show that's severely addicted to drugs or maybe they have an eating disorder or they're consumed with alcohol and then as the show goes on it culminates at this point where this person's closest friends or their family members, they come in and they start telling that person how they have affected them, how that friend or that son or that daughter affected their life, their struggles affected them. There was on one show where there was one sister that said this to her brother. She said, all I wanted was to be around my big brother. Things are different now. I've gone from always wanting to be in your presence to being fearful of being alone in a room with you. One son said this to his father. Dad, if I had one wish, I wish that you would get better. Please get better for our family. One mother said this to her daughter, I hope you will always remember the good times we had, but everything has changed since you got sick. You're very disrespectful and you're very rude to us. We won't take it anymore and we want our daughter back. The difficult truth is, life in a distant country doesn't just affect us. We're not isolated when we go there. It affects everyone around us. It affects us all. And often choosing to live there very long, what ends up happening is it leaves us alone. We're isolated. We're all by ourselves. But just when it seems like you're at the end of your rope, you're at the end of your story, you're ready to give it all up, God has something to say to you. Because here's the thing. What you need to understand is God is really good at writing aha stories. If we look back at scripture in Acts 7 and 8, Saul, he was living in a distant country. He was persecuting Christians. He was killing them. He was doing all kinds of things against the church. But then what happens? We see in Acts chapter 9. God met him, right? God met Saul, and he had that aha moment. And God said, Saul, come on home. And Saul became who? Paul. In 2 Chronicles 34, when the nation of Judah was living in a distant country, the book of the law was found. And God reminded them through that book of the law, they had their aha moment, and he wanted them to come on home. And in that country, they had a great revival that went on within that nation. 
God's really good at taking what is a rough beginning, a rough story, something rough that's going on in your life, and then he ends up telling a beautiful story out of the back end. So let me just say this. To those of you that are struggling with our video series, God has a plan, and he's not through with it yet. Just bear with him. Please hang in with us. Because it's in that moment, in that distant country, when it seems like the story is over, it's all done, it's happened, put a nail in that coffin, it's done. That God, he sees a new beginning. He doesn't see an ending. He sees a new beginning, and he tries to get your attention. When that light, when it appeared to Saul, what happened? He got blind. When the law, when it was read to Josiah, what did he do? He mourned. At that moment, God got their attention. He did it by pointing to their story, pointing it out to them and saying to them, this is not how the story is going to end. It may be reality right now, but it's not how it's going to end. If you let me, if you let me take it from here, this is only the beginning of your story. My prayer for all of us is this, that we let God wake us up from our sleep that we have in this distant country, that we let God show us the story that he wants to write in each and every one of our lives. Let him tell it. Let him take the beginning that he's given us and write a beautiful story for an ending. Every story has a beginning, but let me tell you, no other story ends like God's story ends. I don't know how God might try to get your attention. It may be like this in 1 Kings 19. If you don't know the story, it's in verses 2 and 3 where it says this. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me as more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and ran for his life. Now look how God got Elijah's attention. This is in 1 Kings 19, 11 through 13. And he said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after an earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elijah heard it. So God wasn't in the powerful wind. He wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. But he came in what? whisper or it might be like in Ephesians 5 14 where Paul writes this he says awake O sleeper and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you so God might yell and he might wake you up even if you're not listening he may do that how's he gonna do it with you I don't know you don't know if we want to live this aha story that God wants to write for us it's going to take leaving that distant country setting it behind us and going back home going back to the father and that's where aha begins. It's going to take waking up. It's going to be looking at that map of life and say, that says you are here figuring out where you're at in life. Seeing who you've hurt. Seeing who you've allowed to be king of your life. To rule over these different areas of your life. And then letting God. Saying God, take it from here. And letting him write the story. First, a distant country will leave you broke. Second, it will leave you alone. We're going to close this morning looking at the third thing that living in the distant country will do. It will leave you at the bottom. When we live in a distant country, understand we're destined for death. That's our future. Let's get back to our parable now. Look at verses 15 and 16. Jesus says this. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. Understand, this is rock bottom. This is as low as it gets for this young man. He's living in a non-Jewish country, and now he has to subject himself to a citizen of that country. It would have been a serious blow to his national pride to be compelled to live in that country and work for a pagan. 
But then worse yet, think about this. Not only was he working for that pagan, but now the job was feeding pigs. And we all know that, well, pigs aren't kosher, right? Jews considered them unclean. So now he's having to work in the midst of these unclean animals. It would have been totally humiliating for this young man to be doing such a job. And then even worse, it gets worse than that. He's reduced to that point where he just wants to eat the pig slop. Just give me something. Just let me eat what they're eating. It would have been what we call beyond pale to imagine this young man doing that. Few people in Jesus' era would have been able to imagine a scenario in their life that would have been worse than this. For us, the equivalent scenario might be, might be something like this. Living in some undesirable place, let's just say like North Korea or something like that. Maybe you're tending to cockroaches that are being raised up for food for the people in that country. And you're sitting there feeding them and you're seriously considering eating the food that you're feeding to the cockroaches. That's your only alternative to staving off hunger in your life. Sin has truly taken this young man, taken him farther than he ever wanted to go, kept him longer, longer in that distant country than he ever meant to live, ever meant to stay, and it cost him more than he could have ever intended to spend. And that's what the Bible says about sin in our lives. It's that deadly snare that comes and gets us, that wants to pull us in and pull us deeper and deeper and deeper into sin, into the depths of Satan. In Proverbs 7, Solomon compares sin to a beautiful woman, a woman named Folly. This is in keeping with an earlier warning that he gave to his sons to avoid the adulteress. He pictures this woman, she's sitting in a doorway and she's beckoning all the passers-by to come on in, come, just have some fun. She promises them some sweet water and some delicious food, but where it all leads is rather horrifying. This is what Solomon says. This is verses 13 through 18. It says, The woman Folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But she does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Shoal. Or this is what it says in some other translations. It says, Little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. Yeah. It looks so inviting. She's trying to draw you in. So it's going to be great. It's so inviting. It looks like so much fun. Man, it's going to be the best party ever. This is going to be the bomb party. We need to be there. But that house, understand, that house, it may look like it's pulsating with life and excitement and fun, but Scripture says it's actually a morgue. It's filled with the dead. Let me close with this. The truth this morning is this. It's virtually impossible for Christian writers and authors to describe a life of sin and make it more dark, to make it more dismal and deadly as the Bible does. When it comes to describing sin, I've got to say nothing, nothing gives a more stark portrayal of sin than the Holy Scriptures. In Proverbs 5, Solomon says of the adulteress, her feet go down to death, her steps follow the path of Sheol. Meaning, you follow her, it's leading straight to the grave. That's where you're going. In Isaiah 64, 6, what is our sin compared to here? We have all become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. Here our sin is compared to what? Polluted garments. Compared to bloody rags. In John 8, look what Jesus says. He says, you are your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. What did Jesus say about our sin in that verse? They make us what? A child of Satan. Ephesians 2.1 says that we're all what? It says we're all dead in the trespasses and sins. 
But perhaps no verse in all the scripture makes it more plain to us than Romans 6.23. It says, for the wages of sin is death. When we walk away, when we leave the Father's house, when we walk away from God, when we choose to go off, when we choose to live in that distant country, when we put ourselves, put us up on the throne, and we kick God off of the thrones in our life, when we believe that our way, our way is the best way to do it, and we don't need God, we don't need the Bible, and worse yet, we don't need some pastor telling us what to do in our life, then the paycheck you've earned, the wage that we deserve, Scripture says right there, is death. It may start out as just another innocent decision that you've made. You think, oh, it's nothing. Just a small change. Not even a big change. Not a big deal. I mean, it's my life, right? They're my choices to make. I get to make them. But when we live apart from the Father, when you live apart from Him, it starts to hurt. The bucket is leaky. And it leaves us thirsty, thirsting for more and more and more. We burn bridges with people and we become so much of an island out there that there's no one around to help us anymore. Once that fling is over, you realize you're all alone. Once you climb that corporate ladder and you realize now you have no family, you have no friends, you have nothing, nothing at all outside of the office. Once you've stored up all that money, all the money you could ever want, but all you want is more. Once everyone knows, they know without a doubt that all you care about is yourself, then before you know it, your life has begun to hurt more than you ever could have imagined. That distant country, it will always leave you at the bottom. It doesn't matter what made you leave the Father's house. It doesn't matter what that problem was, what your decision was. The alternative is eventually you will end up at that distant country. The distant country, it will take everything that you have. It will leave you with nothing but death. But thanks to God. Thanks to God that Romans 6.23, it didn't end there, did it? It was the second part to that verse. What was that? But the gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that there is a way home from that distant country. Thank you that there is a road to redemption. Thank you that there is a Savior in our life. This is the good news. And I'm going to tell you, friends, it is so very, very good. It's great news. The bad news is bad. But the good news is good. Jesus made the long journey. He made that journey from heaven down to earth so that he could help lost sinners like you and me, help us find our way back home, find our way back from that distant country that we're living in, back to be living with our Father. So I'm going to tell you, if you find yourself paying rent to life, a life of sin, trying to drink from that bucket, drink from that fancy buckets of life that don't hold water, that are leaking all over the place, you're losing friends, you're heading to the bottom, then all I can say is look to Jesus. Look to him and find hope in your life. He paid the wages for your sin. He paid for them at the cross. He did that so that you too, you can come home from your journey to that distant country. Let's pray. I want to thank you for listening to the message today. I pray that this message somehow has touched you and created within you a passion for action for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have any questions or you need to make any decisions or you just need to talk to someone, I encourage you to contact your local pastor. And if you don't have one, if you don't have a local church, you may contact me through the church office at 620-336-2777. We'd love to see you on Sunday mornings in church for our celebration service. It's a great time of fellowship and worship of our Lord and Savior. Come join us. We know Know you'll be blessed. And thanks again for listening to the Cherryvale First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. And have a blessed day.